This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I used to write for The Athletic and the Indy Star was reporting that Colts running back Jonathan Taylor reported to training camp complaining of back pain that was deemed to be from pre uh, from a pre-existing issue. The team is now considering placing him on the non-football injury list which could result in his not him not being paid for the regular season. Uh, the team is still working through things, but a decision could come within a week, according to the source. Taylor is currently on the pup list, which does not affect a player's salary. Uh, so Jonathan Taylor comes out, and he is saying that that's not true. Never had back pain, never reported back pain, so he's not sure who these sources are. So it the, the plot thickens in Indianapolis with what's going on out there with the Colts. We saw here with Saquon Barkley and how agitated he was with the Giants for not giving him a contract. He, of course, signed like this amended uh, version of a franchise tag. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor in the last last year of his deal is looking for a big-time contract. Uh, Jim Irsay say it's not going to happen <laughs> just because there's uh, no, no reason to give him the big-time contract. Uh, so we'll we'll wait to see what happens there. There's a lot of uh, animosity between the running backs and these teams right now. 800-919-3776. we got to get back to your phone call. Started the show with the Mets. I want to do a quick reset. The Mets are one of the biggest disappointments in New York sports history. I think that is inarguable. Uh, you look at what happens now when Max Scherzer goes to the Rangers. Uh, all the guys the Mets are paying either this year or and or next year to not play for them. James McCann's got $19 million over this season and next season being paid to him by the Mets. Eduardo Escobar, $4.72 million this year. Robinson Cano's making $20.5 million. And then Scherzer is going to have the Mets pay him at $35 million. I understand Cohen is filthy rich, but the misusing of their finances is just staggering to me. And I've never been, and part of it, I guess, is because I root for a team in a big market. But I've never been anti-big market teams with rich owners being able to flex their muscles and use their privilege as a competitive advantage. But this is a test case on money not being able to buy you happiness. The Mets went from you know, 101 wins, could they win a World Series last year, to wait out in the wild card round. And then this year, a complete and utter mess to the point where, yes, I said it, and I'll say it again, they are one of the biggest disappointments in New York sports history. Those are just the facts. Meanwhile, the Yankees uh, uh, can't be feeling great about them right now. They lost to the Orioles 2 of 3 this weekend. Uh, they blanked on Friday night, one nothing. came back yesterday and won 8-3 to three, thanks to home runs from Stanton, from Judge, and from Higashioka. Judge, three hits last night. How did the Yankees reward him? Uh, resting today. That's right. Third day back from injury, he's resting in a game you really got to have against a team you're chasing that's ahead of you uh, in your division and in the wild card. Uh, but the Yankees opted to rest him for whatever reason, and to me it's just mind-boggling. I understand wanting to keep him fresh for a deep playoff run. But in order for him to be fresh for a deep playoff run, you need to make the damn playoffs. And right now the Yankees are on the outside looking in. They are three games back of both the second and the third wildcard spots occupied by the Blue Jays and the Astros. And Aaron Judge 
is the most valuable player maybe in baseball when you just look at how the team looks without him and you know what he was able to do last year and this year what he's been doing uh when he's been healthy you have to have him in a lineup as much as possible you cannot sit here and tell me he was not able to dh tonight and look the biggest story of the game is that maybe it wouldn't have mattered because Luis Severino might have pitched his last game as a Yankee. Who knows what happens at the deadline? But he, every time he goes out there, looks like he might be the worst pitcher in baseball. And he's pitching to an ERA in July that's over 11. Over 11. He he has not even given them a chance to win. Not even given them a chance. So the Yankees lose 9-3. They start a three-game series against uh, Tampa Bay Rays at the stadium tomorrow. We also... Uh, got into, are the Jets the closest team right now to a title in New York City among the four major sports? Giants, expected to take a step back. Mets, giving up on the season, and maybe next season. And we'll see what happens this offseason, uh, whether or not they clean house. Yankees, I'm very down on them right now. I think there's a better chance they miss the playoffs than they win the World Series. Fangraphs has them winning 85 games and missing the playoffs. So, uh, that's what they have going on in the Bronx. The Rangers uh, got bouncing around one, fired their head coach, got a new head coach. So who knows what the transition will be and, and what it leads to next year. So because of that question mark, I, I can't put them at number one. And the Islanders haven't won a playoff series since 2021. Uh, so they, they, we need to see a little bit more from them in order for, for me to say that they are number one on that list. Which leaves me with the Jets, who Vegas tells me is tied for, tied with Dallas for the six best odds to win the Super Bowl this year. Hall of Fame quarterback, top five defense, an assortment of weapons. Brees Hall, maybe Diamond Cook. So who knows? Uh, the challenge to that, the retort to that would be, hey, Ty, you're concerned about the Rangers because they just got bounced in the first round. You're concerned about the Islanders because they haven't won a, a playoff series since 2021. Uh, why are you not concerned about the Jets who haven't won a playoff game, haven't been to the playoffs in 13 years? I am concerned. I am concerned, which is why I think it makes this this question fascinating. Who's the closest team in New York City amongst the four major sports to winning a championship? 800-919-3776. We go to Ronnie in the south side. He's been waiting patiently. So let's talk to Ronnie. What's up, Ronnie? Hey, what's up, Tom? What's good? Let's go. So I got what's a few on? things to talk about with the Giants, man. I mean, I know a lot of people are talking bad about DJ, but at the end of the day, I feel like I don't know if you can name another quarterback that lost three to four of his prime receivers and still was able to take off week 19 because they made the playoffs. A lot of things come down to the coach, yes, because now that we see that he's not on the on the, on the, on the Bills star line, you see how bad their quarterback is playing. So, ah, Josh Allen's not playing bad. Has he regressed? I mean, I mean I, yes. I, I wouldn't say he's playing badly. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had Josh Allen in fantasy every year since he's been drafted. I know how he's gotten so fantastic. And shit. I mean, I'm sorry, he got so fantastic. But and yeah, we can't have you doing that on here, man. Yeah, I, listen, you you got to know the rules when you're on talk radio, my man's. Can't do that. Can't do that. Do the Bills miss Brian Dable? Of course. Of course they do. Absolutely. 
But I can't say Josh Allen last year played badly. 35 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. year before that, he was 36 and 15. I think ball security and big spots, that's a problem. That is a concern. And Brian Dable, we did see, help tap into the best version of Josh Allen. So I but I can't say he played badly. He was played poorly. And as far as Daniel Jones is concerned, do you, you have every reason to still be skeptical about whether or not he can take you on a deep playoff run. You still have to be skeptical about that. As good as he was last season, we know that the Giants are paying him to improve and paying him to be better than he was last year. Can't, can't say, you know, 22 total touchdowns is good enough to justify a $160 million contract. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Ty. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to chime in on the boxing, but um, definitely to the point of the four major sports um, discussion that you're having of who would win the title. I definitely got the Jets at one. Um, I just think that, you know, with what with everything that's going on with the Bills, it was very troubling to see Skylar Thompson, you know, be that competitive against them in that first playoff game and then yep. seeing how they got blown out at home against the uh, Cincinnati the Bengals team. And it was just, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things where it kind of looks like a, pretty much a, a, a segue to a team that might have a disappointing season. As far as Josh Allen, I think he's a very good quarterback, but we kind of see, we're kind of seeing them hit their apex and they haven't really, you know, made the changes in their franchise to kind of keep them stable with and keep them up pace with the Chiefs and the Bengals. So that's kind of why I think the Jets can win the division. Um, and as far as with the Yankees and the Mets, you know, I thought your your comments were great. You know, the Mets were showed that, you know, this is what happens when you spend the m m money incorrectly. And the Yankees, they've kind of shown what, you know, what, what, what can happen when you kind of just neglect, you know, left field and third base and catching and you just, you know, think that, you know, everything is just going to be carried by your, um, your, your, your superstar, which is just not, you know, how you run, how you run a team for the long haul of, of a 162-game season. But to the boxing fight, um, oh, and I um, just wanted to mention to Trey, I did uh, meet his father at the Sasso event um, at softball tournament yes, um, yesterday, which was kind of cool. Oh, Trey, so his... Trey's pops pulled up? Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, nice. That's dope. Yeah, so, yeah, so it, was, it, it was dope to meet him. Very nice guy. Um, so I was just uh, watching the fight, and I, I going into the hype of it, you know, I, I, I'm a huge Bud Crawford fan. So I was kind of pretty much expecting him to win. Was I expecting a one-sided win? I kind of was, but I wasn't expecting it to look this bad. Where it, it, it kind of like where that earlier caller mentioned, like it kind of looked like Mayweather Corrales and uh, Mayweather Gotti, where it just looked like a total domination and a waxing and. I, I always felt like from my, and I know that I could be biased towards Crawford, you know, 
I always felt like they were kind of lowballing him because he was the guy that was coming up from 140. He had already won the undisputed title at 140 already. And, you know, for him to do this at 147, it totally put the silence to the doubters that, you know, there was one side of a management team that was afraid. And you, you can see that it was clearly evident that, this should not be happening. I don't think it's going to be any change at 154 because remember you're adding. You're, you're, even though Spence can say he can feel a lot more comfortable, do you really want to add an, an, another seven pounds to this fight? This is just not. I, I just don't see it conducive. It's yeah, not, I don't know. I, I think I I think that, and I appreciate the call, Jose. I think that it. it I'm trying to find a reason to be interested in a rematch. Because based on what I saw last night, it was so non-competitive. Like it, it was such a bludgeoning where it didn't even feel like Errol Spence had a chance to make it interesting. Because of, because of that, I got to find something to get me amped to watch a rematch. We, we have to create an avenue for, all right, this is going to be better. Why is it going to be better? Well, Errol says that you know him getting down to 147 was tough. And he didn't feel as good as he thought he would. So at 154, he would be fresher. He'd be more polished. And that would make him feel comfortable. And if that's the case, okay, that's that's how you sell me on, you know, getting this fight uh, and getting the audience that you had, whatever the number was. Outside of that, man, I don't know what we can do. James in Spring Valley wants to talk. What's up, James? What's Ty D. Butler? What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Chilling, man. What's going on? Good, 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 man. Big shout out to the company. I was actually in Baltimore this weekend, and I went to the Saturday game, which the Yankees crushed. And then I left today, and the Yankees decided to lay an egg. Um, so maybe you should have gone to the game the, today, too. Maybe you should have gone to both games. Maybe, maybe, but the girlfriend wanted to go home, so, you know, what can I say? Um, well, you should have broken, broken up with her and then stayed for the game because the Yankees uh, need you more than she uh, needs you. <laughs> nah, I can't. can't 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 do that. By the way, Jets, I think will win the title because the Yankees stink, and that's what I'm going to segue to. The Yankees are nowhere near as close as the Jets are. As you know, Jets kind of are geared to win the championship. The Yankees are not. So let me ask you a question: With the trade down I'm pushing Tuesday, I don't think nothing that the Yankees can buy will necessarily help this team because I don't think it's one or two, three bats. I think it's an organizational thing. So. We're trading off people like a Glaber Torres or a Clay Holmes, like some like like you know things that have value. Do you think the Yankees would probably more like a retool because there's no one else that people want because nobody wants DJ, nobody wants Stanton, so you're kind of stuck with those people. But like someone like a Glaber Torres who's not making any money or Clay Holmes who's not making any money, can the Yankees like? trade those players to try to get other assets back so we can retool for 2024? I, listen, James, I, I appreciate the call. I think there is a fundamental disagreement happening between what the fans think and what the organization thinks. And it's not all that shocking. The Yankees right now are three games back of a playoff spot. They will tell you they think that all they have to do is get in, and if they get in, it's a crapshoot. And with Radon and Cole at the top of their rotation, they give themselves a chance to win any and every playoff series they're involved in. Judge can get hot. 
We've seen Stanton crush it in the playoffs. Glaber's been good this year. So it's hard for me to believe they're going to be sellers. It's it's tough. The Mets are different because they're under five hundred. Uh, they're eight games back of a playoff spot. This team's going nowhere. And there, there are so many teams they have to jump. They've got no chance to win their division. So the Mets are in a, a, a circumstance that necessitated what they're calling a retool. And what I'm saying is you know, them being just flat-out sellers. You, you traded your closer. You traded your second-best pitcher. You're selling. And if Verlander can agree to you know go to Houston or wherever the case may be, they're going to trade him as well just to try to get a prospect back and pay most of his salary or pay as much as his, of his salary as possible that would help facilitate them getting a high-end prospect back um, so they can you know start to put their their best foot forward and and salvage what's been a disastrous tenure so far with Steve Cohen as the owner of this team. I just don't think the Yankees uh, right now feel like they are in that situation where they need to do that. I think that they look at this roster and say, we're good enough to win a championship, and if anything, we're going to add. Uh, Cody Bellinger doesn't look like he's on the market. The Cubs have said they're not trading him because you know they've been, they've been winning. So why trade him? The name you got to go out there and get in, in order to prove – that you are serious about turning this thing around as Juan Soto, and I don't think that's going to happen. 800-919-3776. We'll hear from Aaron Boone, hear from Luis Severino, and continue to take your calls as we march toward midnight right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, what's up? Um, so, you know, I'm, an, I'm a Knicks fan. And uh, I really, you know, I really want to see the uh, the Knicks go after, you know, a big man like Joel Embiid. Um, I know he, he, like, he signed a contract extension recently, kind of takes him out with Philly a couple of years. But they're, like, they're, they're not doing so well in Philly right now. There's a lot of dissension with Harden. They're not quite sure what the team's going to look like. And I just think it's important that the, the Knicks focus on a guy like that to maybe try to bring into the franchise over the next couple of years. Because I think they have a lot of pieces, but I just I feel like they're missing that one superstar that you know like that really guy who could really hold it up in the middle and shoot the ball. There's a couple of them in the NBA, but wouldn't you say like the Knicks owe it to their fans to bring in a guy like that? Well, listen, you are right in your analysis of the Knicks and that they they, they need a superstar. They don't have that player who is going to help win them a championship and we know that NBA history tells you that for the most part you need an all-time great player if you're going to win a championship and the Knicks don't have that uh Adam the thing is for Joel Embiid he he is under contract with the Sixers got a player option uh through 2026-2027 that's going to pay him about 60 million dollars he becomes unrestricted in 2027 but what has to happen is he has to request a trade and I think that if the Sixers, like depending on what happens with Harden, if the Sixers don't make noise and get past round two, which is something they haven't been able to do since 2001, if that doesn't happen, I think at the end of next year, we could start to hear some rumblings about Embiid asking out of Philadelphia, just like we could start to hear it about Giannis and, and, and Milwaukee. So I, I think it's not going to happen now, but next year, assuming the 
things don't go the Sixers' way, that's when you'll start to hear those conversations really get really get louder. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, and uh, you know, and, and we just kind of keep keep our keep our you know no, nose to the grind, you know, because the team is good. They are good. They're not great, but they're heading in the right direction. And you know, it could be within the next couple of years. But you know, I go I go back to the days of Patrick Ewing, and you know, and and like John Starks and all those great guys, you know. And uh, I would just like to see the franchise get right back at the top where New York basketball, you know, needs to be and, and deserves to be. You know. Yeah, of course, I, of course, I understand that. I appreciate the call. Appreciate the call. Yeah, that's going to. Uh, be a, a a conversation next year, and you can see, like I said, with Giannis, if if because the Bucks are getting older, you know, Lopez is is in year sixteen, Drew Holiday is like thirty three years old, Milton just signed a, a three year extension, that's big time money. Giannis could start to survey the landscape, and you know, he's about winning championships. He could start to look at this and say. Does Milwaukee still give me the best chance to win? And if not, who does? And if the Knicks, with all their draft assets and capital, Brunson's there, you got some pieces you really like, they could become a prime destination. I know fans are exhausted of this, right? Because we went through this whole thing with LeBron in 2010, with uh, with Durant and Irvin in 2019. So you're just like, man, can we just develop our own star? The problem is you haven't been able to do that. You've been missing a lottery picks. So because of that, you have to rely on that next big-time player, marquee guy, asking out, and who knows? Maybe it'll be Embiid. Maybe it'll be Giannis. 800-919-3776. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Aaron Boone, Luis Severino, and the Yankees losing in Baltimore 9-3. to So still a whole lot to do as we go to midnight right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Did I make it to what? To one of the Drake's concerts at uh, Madison Square uh, Nah, man. So he was there Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I was not able to go see Drake, uh, unfortunately. Damn, man. Pretty, man pretty, pretty, are super expensive right here, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty annoyed yeah. by that. I, I, I asked, you know, try yeah, to pull a few strings. Wasn't yeah. able to get it, but it's all good. Man, I saw I saw Drake last time. He was on tour with the Migos. What was that back in like, oh, yeah. what was that 2019 or 2017? 2019. Maybe. Can't, can't yeah, remember bro, what hey, it was, it but I, well, I wish I had seen him. Super overpriced, bro. Yeah, he right here is like close to a thousand dollars, man. <laughs> I think I saw he had his mom's on stage, which was which which yeah, was pretty yeah. dope. That was cool. That was cool. That was cool, man. Drake Drake still Drake still on top of the game. This this yeah, late it, this late bro. in his career. Yeah, he 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 hopped on the scene like 2007, 2008, and still, you know, 15 years later, still at the top of the food chain. So yeah, shout out man. to Drake. Thank me later. That, that guy's a classic, man. But uh, I was calling in, bro. Like, our, the Yankees keep on losing, and days are keep going by, man. Every day that goes by, another another target that the Yankees are were interested on, uh, with Higgs from the Cardinals, with Gritchick for Gritchuk. From the Rockies, now Bellinger. They said the Cubs are not gonna. He's not available. So let's say the Yankees. I mean, who who are we targeting now? I mean, are we do? What's the deal now? That's it. Every day that passes, I'm a Yankee fan and I'm behind my team. You know me. I always call. I'm always hopeful. But day by day goes by, man. It just keeps getting a little worse. What are we gonna go for, bro? And yeah, listen. 
appreciate the call. The name has to be if you're really talking about shaking things up and and you know making a splash. It has to be Soto. It really does have to be Soto. How about this? So the Yankees, uh, we know their lineup has pretty much been a sea of underperformance. Stanton played 38 games without Judge coming into today and hit 170 with eight home runs and an OPS of 644. We know up and down the lineup, Rizzo went two months without hitting a home run. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, since the first half of last year, hasn't been able to hit. Like, up and down the lineup, it's just disappointment after disappointment. The Jays went out there and acquired Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals. He's one of the best relief arms who was on the market, so they got better. The Rangers uh, s- s- traded for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, once again, St. Louis unloading. So they get Montgomery, and the Rangers are lo- loading up after they trade for Scherzer, so they're going for it. Uh, it sounds like the Marlins might be interested in Glaber Torres. I don't know if the Yankees are going to be sellers at the deadline, but the teams that you are battling against in the American League are getting better. How, how are you getting better? How are you doing that? I don't know that uh, it's going to happen. I don't know if there's a big splash to be made. You know, basing it off of the, the trade deadlines uh, of recent memory with Cashman, uh, I, I don't expect to see any, uh, you know, life-changing, life-altering move here that's going to you know, alter how we view the Yankees as far as them winning a championship. I just don't see it happening. Uh, but it's just, if you think that just with this team, they're good enough to contend for a championship, uh, I don't know what you're watching, Cashman. Let's hear from some of the Yankees after the game today. Aaron Boone, can you keep Severino in the rotation with all of this inconsistency? I mean, he's coming off of two good ones, and we gotta we gotta continue to look under the hood and you know see why that high level of execution isn't isn't there. And right now, we're just gonna continue to focus and work on that. Yeah, it's coming off two good ones. Severino's got an ERA over 11 in July, but sure, let's let's uh, keep the positivity going. It's what you're good at. What are your thoughts on your offense with a season-high 18 strikeouts tonight? I actually thought we, you know, obviously you're behind the eight ball early. makes it tough. I thought we, you know, outside of the strikeouts, like I thought at bats were – you know, building off of last night, I thought we grinded out really well. We made it really tough on Kramer. We couldn't finish off. Uh, we had a couple of good scoring opportunities where we had the bases loaded. We had a, maybe a first and second or second and third another time. So I thought we carried some of that momentum in from last night as far as, but obviously, you know, you know they, they beat us up with the strikeout too. So, and, and that's why we weren't able to throw more crooked numbers up there. But I mean, the 18, that's that's a big number, right? I do think a lot of guys had good at bats that building off of last night. It's so embarrassing at this point. It's embarrassing. He thought that they had good at bats and grinded it out. They struck out 18 times. There are only 27 outs in the baseball game. 67% of your outs were strikeouts. How are you telling me that you felt like they were building off of the momentum of yesterday when they scored eight runs, hit three home runs. Because outside of the 67% of our, our outs, outside of that, we were fine. We were grinding it out. It's so embarrassing at this point. I don't even want to hear from him, him anymore. Let's go to Luis Severino. Uh, what has this stretch been like for you? No, right now, I feel like I am the worst pitcher in the game, no doubt about it. Just I won't be able to, you know, 
getting uh, like rolling. I feel really good. I feel healthy, and I feel like I threw a good game. And then after that, I just need to keep it going, you know. But I will have to be able to do that. And are you worried you may lose your spot in the rotation? I mean, right now, I don't even know what can happen or what's going to happen, you know. And if that situation comes, you know, you know, the only thing that I can do is try to get better every day, you know. If they decide to do that, uh, that's their decision. It's not working for him. Contract year, this was uh, all the pressure on Severino to go out there and put together a campaign worthy of either the Yankees giving him an extension or another team you know, coming in and saying, you are worthy of X amount of dollars. And so far this year, has not gone right for Severino. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to the phone calls. Quickly, I wanted to mention this. Uh, Aaron Rodgers continues to endure himself to Jets fans. You know, earlier this week, we learned he was going to be taking a $35 million pay cut to help the Jets cap situation, and that was going to facilitate them being able to build a championship roster around him. This is what you call being all-in on winning and understanding why coming to New York was so important to him. can't retire with just a lone Super Bowl in 2010. It's going to cause people to discredit his greatness, and it is not going to allow the, you know, he's a top five quarterback of all time to age well when you see what Mahomes is doing and when you see, you know, potentially these young quarterbacks who are coming up right now could do and have more success than Rodgers. He has too many blemishes on his resume to go out the way that he has. But if he finds a way to win a championship with the Jets for a team that hasn't done so since 69, that goes a long way in erasing some of your postseason failures. Uh, So he's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. And, you know, taking that pay cut, money he can probably make up in endorsements, but that's still a, a you know, significant, significant cut to take. Uh, but Rodgers today made news for different reasons. Sean Payton put an X on his back and ironically did the exact thing he criticized the Jets for doing. He brought all of this attention on himself and to the team. Now, the Jets didn't ask for hard knocks. In fact, they were hesitant to be on it. They asked the NFL not to put them on it. But, you know, juicy storylines with Rodgers and, you know, with, with everything surrounding the team, it was a layup for HBO and NFL to, to put them on, on this show. Uh, but as far as Sean Payton is concerned, if the Broncos get off to a slow start, they're going to hear all the noise. They already play in one of the toughest divisions in, in, in football with the Raiders and the Chargers and the Chiefs, the defending champions. So to put this target on your back, to me, was silly. And I love that Rodgers today came to defend Hackett. And what was this, Julian? Is this uh, NFL Plus, where Rodgers comes to, to, to defend Nathaniel Hackett today? That's what it is, NFL Plus? All right, so let's hear Aaron Rodgers. He was asked about uh, the Sean Payton criticism of Nathaniel Hackett. Those comments were very surprising for a coach to do that to another coach. My love for Hack goes deep. You know, we had some great years together in Green Bay. Kept in touch. Love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, how he cares about the guys, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure 
that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. I love it. I loved Rodgers defending his guy Hackett, who he clearly has a, a, a deep love for, and he's very fond of him. You know, he's even off the field. He's gotten to know his family. So, you know, this is a relationship that's near and dear to his heart when you hear Sean Payton just, you know, unprovoked taking a drive-by on him. It just was, to me, wildly irresponsible and unnecessary. And I think the criticism of Hackett was fair to some degree last year, right? Like, what were they, 4-11 and when he got fired? It was a disaster. And Russell Wilson looked like a shell of himself. You were brought there to to rejuvenate, uh, you know, uh, Russell Wilson coming over who gets an extension. And this was going to be what helped the Broncos, you know, go on a deep playoff run. And it was a disaster. But uh, to say, for him, for Peyton to talk about, like, what, you know, what Hackett allowed and he shouldn't have allowed this, it's easy for Sean Payton to say that. He's one of the you know, most successful regular season coaches we've ever seen. You look at his resume. Easy for him to say that. But, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, who's a rookie head coach, he's not going to have that same level of cachet. He's not going to have that same authority that Peyton has. So I thought that that was just moronic to me. And now if the Broncos don't accomplish anything, here's the, here's the deal for Sean Payton. We're going to have to ask ourselves how you had two quarterbacks in Breeze and Wilson, and Wilson, who he just loved so much, and yet you only won one Super Bowl. So it was unnecessary. It was irresponsible. You put a target on your back. That week five game now, Jets-Broncos, it's going to be salacious headlines. And if the Broncos don't live up to uh, being better than they were last year, then Hackett's going to have the last laugh. He's going to have the last laugh. 800-919-3776. We wrap the show next uh, with you. Going until midnight right here on 9870 ESPN.